0: Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 52. I'm Christina Suzuma, your host for this program. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to explore the world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and the many modalities of helping each of us find balance in our individual journeys. We are always excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet. Today's topic is... Great balance through happiness. Our guest today is an amazing woman. Her passions are clearly immersed in supporting communities throughout the world. I would like to welcome, as we are honored here in Yoga Hub, to have her with us today, Ms. Marilyn Tam. Hello, Marilyn. How are you? <laughs> Very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Trinity of Life.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to see you and talk to you.
0: Yes, again, um, just to let the audience know, uh, Marilyn was a special guest also on Magical Medical Tour which uh, with Dr. Glenn Woolman where she was interviewed mainly by Dr. Woolman. (laughs) I wasn't allowed to get a word in. So she's all mine today, all ours today on Trinity of Life. (laughs) Uh, Marilyn, I didn't read your biography to our guests because it's always really nice to hear it from you, yourself, uh, because I always find it's much more interesting coming from the source. So would you share with us a little of your background and your history?
1: That's always a daunting thing to say. <laughs> well, I <laughs> know one thing, you? <laughs> you're from Hong
0: Kong like me. <laughs>
1: yes, I was born in Hong Kong. And um, it's it's awkward, you know, as we say, we shared a connection of being from Hong Kong. Yes. I was born in Hong Kong, it seems like eons ago, in, in a very traditional Chinese family. Second daughter, followed very quickly by the birth of three boys. and. As you know, Christina, that's not a good place to be. Uh, as we say in marketing, that's very poor positioning. <laughs> in in my case, um, it just meant a lot of uh, uh, neglect and abuse. And um, actually, I was given up to live with my aunt and uncle when I was seven um, because my parents didn't want another girl. And I was there for four years until my aunt got pregnant, and then they had their own first child of their own birth child, and it was a boy. So what that meant was I was moved back to my birth parents' place because, again, I was not wanted because I was a girl. So this is not a good recipe for <laughs> positive self-esteem. <laughs> and then the reason I share that is because I want to other people to know that no matter... What people tell you that you have inherent worth and that you are good enough just as you are, whatever it is. So that's a story I like to share because I want people to realize that even though you have been told you're not good enough, the truth is you are perfect just the way you are. Mm -hmm. And with that knowledge, you can go and do anything and become anybody you want to be. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. That that was uh, quite... um a difference, I mean, a lot of people don't quite understand that, that it was a cultural,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a cultural, um, I don't want to say etiquette, but a way of being where the girls are secondary because they don't carry the family name. They're mm. not the breadwinners, so to say. And for many years, women weren't educated in China. Right. And it's, it's so interesting, you said that, and earlier in our pre-show, you also said the the name of the school that you went to, which was Mary Knoll, which was a Catholic girls' school, was it not?
1: Yes, I went to Mary Knoll Convent School. We <laughs> obviously were convent in there, you know, it was a Catholic school. I went there for years, and then I went to uh, King George V, which is a British Episcopalian, you know, what we call Episcopalian here, but uh, in Hong Kong it's Anglican, which is uh, the the british version of episcopalian school so yes. kind of confusing as far as the religious background but what is interesting
0: is is being a catholic school and i i empathize because i was also raised in a catholic school my sister actually went to mary knoll as well huh. you know but the the whole um the way again in that religion is is back to you know uh, our self worth is uh, <laughs> is not really upheld there either. <sighs> so you got it from both sides, from home and family, and your education. That's mm-hmm. amazing.
1: And and the, the reason it's so important for me to emphasize this is that I I've worked with so many people in in my in my career, uh, which we'll talk to in about a minute. Where I work with top leaders in corporate life, as well as in nonprofit life, and these people who should realize how important and valuable they are in, in, for the for the whole community—not only the companies and organizations, but the, com- the whole community—and yet a lot of them still don't believe that they're good enough. And that's a message that so many of us get or somehow take on that we have to realize we can change that message. It's up to us to say, to lay that down and say, I'm good enough right now. Mm -hmm. It's important. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, yes. I agree with you there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so from Hong Kong, uh, what uh, brought you over here to the U.S.?
1: Well, um, I thought that my life was pretty miserable being, you know, mentally and physically abused you know, on a regular basis is not a good uh, way to grow up. But then I found somebody else, uh, my classmate in school, Rebecca, whose life was much worse than mine. She and her brother and sister and her parents, all of them lived in a room and they shared a bathroom and a kitchen with two other families. In fact, they didn't even get enough to eat. By the end, uh, later in the month, there were times when I know that She was just going hungry. And it made me so angry that two working parents could not afford to feed their family. It didn't seem fair. It didn't seem right. It wasn't just. And I made a vow then that I was going to grow up and help other people, people like Rebecca, so that they can have the same privileges, joys, and rights that we have, that I, I think that everybody should be entitled to have the basics of life, that should be just be a given. So I didn't finish high school, came to America by myself, halfway through high school, went to college, got early acceptance, because I was determined that I was going to grow up and help other people like Rebecca be able to achieve at least the basics of life, which I feel everybody should be entitled to. So that's how I got into this country and, and, developed my career, which turned out to be in um, the corporate world, along with the humanitarian world, which I always kept in my heart and in my consciousness. So I became Vice President of Nike, President of Reebok Apparel Products and Retail Group, CEO of Aveda, and then started my own foundation and have started four more companies since. But always in conjunction with doing my humanitarian work. And I started my foundation in nineteen ninety-six, us foundation, because there's no them. So my whole world has been shaped when I was quite young by what I could see that I can I have the potential and the ability to do to change. And and I think that's why I want to encourage everybody to do that. It's follow your dream, no matter how grandiose or how impossible it seems it's possible for you to make an impact in the world.
0: That's beautiful. I mean, what a career in such a short time. I mean, look at you. <laughs> that's uh, fantastic. I mean, to be the president or vice president of these major, major corporations. Mm. And that's that's amazing because also when you, when you say, I, I remember in our conver- uh, conversation with Dr. Woolman, you also shared with us that while you were in these corporations such as Reebok and Nike you also um you also headed their humanitarian projects isn't that right
1: Yes because as I said earlier we it's not either or from mm-hmm. very young I realized that at first I thought used to think once I do this then I'll do this other thing and then I realized I have to start now wherever I am doing everything I really care about so I use my positions in these corporate environments to leverage what is most important to me, which is to make a positive difference in the world. So heading, as you say, the humanitarian areas, being on the board of uh, Reebok Human Rights, um, working with Aveda in developing um, products. plants and indigenous products, so that people in the nations that we work with, in Amazon, for example, where they we had them learn and grow back their own indigenous plants instead of rubber trees or being clear cut for growing a cattle mm. to the point so that they can have a sustainable revenue because we grew um, the indigenous plants that supplied the dyes mm. for, you know, what they used to use for what we call war paint, but it's really just their way of expressing who they are and their identity. And we bought those dyes for innovative, for the hair care and, and co- what we call color cosmetics, you know, lipstick, rouge, Eyeliner, shadow. Wow. So it was a way of using my position in a corporate world in a way that really gave back. Mm-hmm. So it's not either or; it's both, and we have to do them together.
0: Mm-hmm. My goodness, that's that's very exciting work. Very, very exciting work. And um, do you miss it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been asked this a lot of times. Like, do you miss or uh, what's your most? Uh, what did you enjoy most? And I would say. What I'm doing now, because if I'm not enjoying that most, I would be doing something else. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I am write, as you know, I have my new book out, The Happiness Choice. Um, and in my book, I share all the experiences I've had over my life and also share from all the experts that I've been blessed to get to know their insights of what, what choices we make to create a life of happiness. And the life of happiness comes first from following your life purpose. And so when we understand and know who we are and why we're here on the planet, everything else happens. So your life purpose doesn't change, but what you do, like in my life, I've changed so many different careers. As long as we know why we're doing what we're doing, then everything works.
0: You know, it's, it's so amazing because here you came alone to this country and you made everything flow and you put all the pieces together and all the pieces of the puzzle came together for you. Meanwhile, we have so many individuals out there who, um, always feel like they're struggling. They're always Mm -hmm. struggling to, to even do that first step or to even, um, uh, have enough courage to do what, as they would say, I think I like this, I think I like to do this. I mean, you from a very young age, through everything you, you went through, it was so strong what you were going to do, boom, and you focused and you did it. These other people who are here, who may not have struggled like that, but who also knew, okay, well, you know, I have to make a living, this job is okay, I'll just do this because I'm good at it, <laughs> but I don't know if I like it. You know, how, how do you work with individuals like that, or, or what, what encouragement could you give them to help them really focus on what they really love, what
1: they're really passionate about? The first thing I'd had to tell them was, "Relax <laughs> 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 because once once people realize or think, "Well, maybe I'm not doing enough, then they get so so nervous and and uptight that they can't hear the inner voice, and that truly is it and I've worked with primarily anywhere from college students because I lecture at the local u c s b uh on a mm, infrequent basis, but regularly, uh, and most of my my clients are high potential or, or top leaders in corporations. And I'm telling you, from these people who, to the world, may look super successful, fabulously wealthy, and have all the things that many people are striving for, and they, some of these people, still don't know why they're doing what they're doing because they have already bought into the message of what our society are so happy to tell us what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to love, who Mm -hmm. we're supposed to date, what we're supposed to wear, what we're supposed to watch, what we're supposed to eat. But we forget that inside of us, inside of us is that voice, that voice of our own spirit that tells you who you are and why you are here. And each person have a message have a reason for being. And so first relax and then start trying to shut down the noise from outside. How do we do that? Meditation or in your case of yoga, some kind of movement where it takes trampoline. you away. <laughs> in my case, yes, trampoline. Uh, some place to take you away from your head <laughs> because our head is really, <laughs> it's a big one of our biggest assets, but it's also one of our biggest uh controllers mm. because what we have what happens is we've absorbed so many messages the media is never stopping to tell us what we should like who we should be and what is going to make you happy mm. but the truth is we truly know inside what is going to make us happy but if you don't know relax just take the time if it's five minutes ten minutes fifteen twenty minutes Build up the time of where you have quiet meditation, whether it's sitting meditation or walking meditation, or someplace in nature where you get back to connection with something bigger than the, 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 the social world, more into the natural world. And from that place, you can hear your own inner voice much better and lean into that voice. You may not hear it the first time because you've had so many so many people from your parents to your school, to everybody else in the world telling you what you should be to be happy. Ultimately, we have to find out what makes us happy from inside. So lean into it. Maybe you say, well, if there's six things to do, now which one calls to me most? Do that. Follow that. And then from there, the next step will open. It's almost like the more you lean into it, the more you can see a way you're going to go. And there, you can get there. And don't worry, there's no right or wrong. It's just each day you learn more. Mm.
0: Mm, That's wonderful. Um, Now, you wrote this book, The Happiness Choice. What truly compelled you to write this?
1: It's sort of a funny story because I didn't want to write the book. You didn't want to write
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's already funny.
1: <laughs> I wrote um, my first book in 2003. It's called How to Use What You've Got to Get What You Want. Hmm. And that book came about because, because of my background, coming from another country to America, not... Not having the, the correct background, as they call it, you know, meaning a tall white male from: uh, from <laughs> I know that one well. <laughs> from, from some major name school, you know, like an Ivy League school with a very high financial network family. How can you, without the normal qualifications of what we commonly expect of a CEO, uh, how did you get there? And I realized that here's my chance to give back to the world by telling everybody that you can use what you've got to get what you want. So the name of my first book was, <laughs> appropriately, How to Use What You've Got to Get What You Want. I better
0: read that book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and because of that book, it really helped to shift some of the questions that I was getting, because at least it helped me, because if people ask me that question, I said, here, read this book. I didn't explain it anymore. (laughs) Because the truth is, is that using what you've got, you can achieve your dreams. And your dreams may be different from mine, but you can achieve them. It doesn't matter what people have told you before, you can achieve your dreams. But I had some problems with my publisher who turned out to be not the person or the group that I thought they sh- w- were. And it just kind of soured me f- to the whole publishing industry. And I just said, okay, I'm done. I don't need to write another book. I've already shared what what I need to say. And then... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was 2003. Right. That's 10 well, years ago.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know, the old saying, <clears throat> when you make plans, <laughs> that's when God laughs. And in my case, I thought, okay, I'm done. And, and my agent, who really believed in me, said, you know, you got to write another book. And I said, I really don't think I need to. And so he came about on another tack. He said, ebooks are really big now. And this is about three years, uh, three years or so ago. Ebooks are really big now. Why don't you write a small ebook? And that'll be really simple. It'll be a new way to, to share your wisdom with, the, with people who may not read a hardback anymore. So I wrote a short little book uh, called Living the Life of Your Dreams, which takes it from where, how to use what, you, what you've got to get what you want, and, and, and it becomes a little handbook to help people on their way. So that was pretty good. But my, my good friend, Joan Boroshenko, sent me her new book at this time, and her book was called Fried, um, Why You Burn Out and How to Revive, and I could see where her book and my book converged into one point. And I was so excited. I sent her my book and I, in this enthusiasm, I said to her, Joan, we have to write a book together to share all of the things that we both believe in from her perspective, uh, which is from the neuropsychoneurohemiologist, which is a big word, um, from the mind, body, spirit, science, mm. and the spiritual world from, and my world from the from the the business world and also from the healing world, as I know it, as well as from the humanitarian world, as well as my own spiritual beliefs. The two converged together very well. And also from my health uh, work because I had a health clinic for four years. So I could see where the combination would be really beautiful. So Jonah and I said, we'll write this book together as fate has has it that she had another contract already for a book coming out next year. And so she said, I can't really write the book with you, but I love what you're talking about and, and your, your system and your ideas so much. Let me write the forward to your book and I will help you as much as I can. <laughs> so this book came out because it came out from something internal. As we said earlier, when we listened to our inner voice, Whatever our head tells us may not be as as powerful anymore. My head was saying, I don't need to write another book. But my heart says, there's something else to say. And that's Mm -hmm. where the happiness choice came from. The five Mm -hmm. decisions that can take you from where you are to where you want to be. So in the book, we talk about your body, choices you make with your body, choices you make with your money, how you earn it, how you spend it, how you share it. And uh, with your relationships who who are your relations what you what you do with them how you share with them and how you not share with them um, your spirit, what is your spiritual belief how that sustains you or not, and what you do with that, and your community how do you impact the bigger world and if you do and what do you do with that so those five areas I brought in my friends who over my career and my life have been wonderful teachers, and I brought them, most of them (laughs) are uh, are names that most people would know, Jack Canfield, Ariel Ford, as I said, Joan Boroshenko. A lot of people that we respect and know in the world who are experts in the field, Dr. Michael Gallitzer, who is the longevity and anti-aging specialist behind Suzanne Summers' work. So I had a lot of wonderful teachers and experts who are friends also who added their wisdom to the book in each particular aspect that they are the most um, known and respected for. So the book came out because it was supposed to be. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well it was a choice you followed your heart happiness mm-hmm. choice right
1: <laughs> absolutely the happiness choice
0: so um, how how does happiness or, or lack of affect individuals
1: this is a topic that's becoming more and more on the forefront not only mm-hmm. in personal relationships and, and, and what we call the self-improvement area but in business mm-hmm. because we found out and there's a lot of dedicated research, both in, in America and in the world now, that shows how productivity and happiness are completely intertwined. So when people feel like that they're living their life purpose, which is what we mentioned already earlier, when you're living your life purpose and you feel that what you're doing is meaningful, you're happier. So when we are living our life purpose, we're happier and You're more productive, which means that you can generate a lot of the things that bring you even more happiness. So it's an upward spiral of good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you're following your life purpose, you're happy. When you're happier, you're more productive. When you're more productive, you bring in more revenue. Your your relationships are happier with you because you're happier with them, and you're giving back more. You're more connected to your spiritual beliefs. You're giving more to your community. You're working more on your body's well-being. All of these things add to your happiness. So being happy is an upward spiral. We can all go there and choose to be there. And that's really what I talk about in my book. Happiness is a choice. We can choose that.
0: Mm. Uh, now, now, I'm going to bring us back to what you had shared with us earlier about mm. these individuals who are like CEOs and presidents of these major corporations and and how they're just doing. They don't. They don't feel that self worth. They 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 keep doing, and they and they've um, achieved so much from you know from the wealth to the uh, place in life in their company, and
1: yet, are they happy? And it's sadly, it's sad to say, a large number of them are not happy mm-hmm. because they are not living their happiness choice. Yet they've They're... achieved so much. Because that's what they were told it would make them happy, but yet maybe that's not their true choice. Um, I remember when I was about ready to leave Reebok, and and I had some other people within the same company as well as outside who said to me, "What are you going to do?" You know, they could not envision anybody choosing to leave <laughs> the status, you know, the the money the recognition, the support, and this is the hardest one for me, was leaving my private plane. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. it was all great perks, but was that making me happy? And the answer was, I felt like my, that was my not my my life purpose anymore. It was for a while that I was being able to change the conditions of our workers worldwide and so that to give them more ventilation, more breaks, um, higher wages, better working conditions, all the things that we believe in, I was able to make a difference in because of my position. I had already done what I feel like I can do in that area. And so the position didn't give me as much joy anymore. Mm. And so I bring that back to people because a lot of people, Keep doing what they're doing because they don't know what else to do because their identity is so tied up with their position. You are fill in the blank. You're an accountant. You're a lawyer. You're a CEO. You're a painter. It doesn't matter what you are. If that is all you are because that label defines you, then make sure that label is truly who you are. Mm. Because there is a distinction between what you do and who you are. And a lot of times we forget that. And in the cases you mentioned of some people who have other status and power and recognition that we think of as what would bring happiness, if there is something hollow inside, if they don't feel that fulfillment inside, because if they don't feel like the job is truly meaningful to them, then they're not going to be that happy they can buy all the accoutrements to make them think that they're happy. They can buy another new car, another new house, another plane, whatever else, even another partner. <laughs> but is that going to make them happy if truly inside there's something that's calling to them that they haven't fulfilled?
0: Mm. Mm. Uh, not not easy decisions mm. when you get mm-hmm. established into a certain way of life and, and. Uh, did you not feel like working with Reebok that you could have expanded those areas of working with community, um, expanded those areas of, you know, contribution, etc.?
1: cetera? It, life is a dynamic balance, which is what I talk about too in the happiness choice. We have several areas, you know, I mentioned the five, you know, mm-hmm. our body, our money, our relationships, our spirit, and our community. and those at different times in our lives, take different uh, percentage of our energies and our resources. And at that point in my life, I realized I was giving so much of my total amount of energy, attention, every aspect of my life to work that I was completely out of balance. Mm. And all of us choose to do that sometime. It can be maybe a week, even a month, but when it goes into years, Yes, we have to say stop. And I felt like that to take that full stop, that pause and say, what am I going to truly do? It's time for that kind of assessment for me. And it, it turned out to be magical because I took that. I I resigned without knowing what I was going to do. And in that interim, one of the my friends from my social and humanitarian work Hans Ruckerbacher, who was the owner of Aveda, said, I've wanted so long for you to work with me. Now that you're not President Reebok anymore, would you become the CEO of my company? Mm. <laughs> so sometimes we have to let go of what's in our hands, no matter how wonderful we think it is or how ne- needed or how necessary, before we have open hands to take on what's being given to us. If we're grasping on so tight to what we think we have to have, how do we know? How do we open up to the next thing which would be much more wonderful and much more creative and much more meaningful in so many senses of the word? Because in, in Aveda is where, you know, we went to work in the Amazon in different areas and, and in different parts of the world where we created much more value for the indigenous people, as well as serving the our consumers, because isn't it so much better for our consumers, people in more in the developed world, to have products that come from organic, healthy, useful, sustainable, environmentally sound resources, than to have some artificial chemicals um, put on our body or ingest it into our body. So it was a win, win, win. And it's so much more fulfilling. But I would never have found that if I didn't just say, I have to stop what I'm doing now so that I can be open to whatever is coming next.
0: Mm, mm, absolutely. Well, you've opened your hand quite a few times in your, uh, <laughs> in your journey so far. And it keeps opening.
1: <laughs> I feel very grateful. And, and I think every, I just, that's the message I want to give people is that you can do it too. It may mm. not look like mine but your own version of what is your life path to make you happy.
0: Mm-hmm. So in your multitude of experiences, Marilyn, you know, what, are, what would you say are some common issues with individuals not pursuing happiness? Uh, and especially with those who really I don't even know that they're not happy. But I always say there's content, and then there's true happiness and joy, <laughs> you know, and, and to the difference between the two. I mean, you know, do you see common issues? Do you see common through lines uh, with people of all walks of
1: life? It's, yes. And and one of the main ones is that they feel they're in some kind of box. It could be a big box, little box, pretty box, whatever, but it's some kind of box where they feel like that this is the confines within which they need to live. And it could be, it's a lot of shoulds or ought tos that come up and they feel like that they can't break out of them because outside of the box is in a known world. And it's not something that they know that they can deal with. So it comes from a place of the big word would be fear, but it's, it doesn't usually come up as a fear. It comes up as, well, you don't understand because this is all I can do or this is what I need to do or this is what I should do. And you don't understand. Instead of saying, wow, let me step back a little bit more so I can see a bigger world. Um, so I don't, wouldn't even say the word contentment. It's almost like a resignation and feeling that this is all I can do with my life. And just, it's like the old saying, if you are a frog sitting in the bottom of the well, that is your universe. It's just that wide and that round. And not until you come out of the well and go and see around, do you see how big it is, the world. And so for most people, that's their world is, that's what's possible. They don't even know that they have another possibility.
0: So now now there are going to be those individuals who are watching this who sort of, okay, well, I get it. But I'm in a situation right now where um, I am not a CEO of a company or I don't have this job that is bringing in this wealth that I can do things or I can make a shift. I mean, I'm struggling and holding on to my health insurance, (laughs) for God's sake, which is so expensive as everyone gets older. Um, You know, and I am just making my payments. I am just barely putting food on the table and paying my mortgage. And to make a change at that time, maybe they're in their 50s, maybe they're 60. there's a lot of fear. There, there is a lot of fear. I mean, they're going to be watching this going, well, what do I do? What, what how do I make a change and such a, a drastic change? Like, I really love to do this, but, but how can I shift from one job to the next and worry about, you know, my pension and worry about what's gonna happen in the next 10 years when I'm possibly in my mid 60s or 70? What advice would you have for individuals as such?
1: First of all, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> Relax! <laughs> yes, because a lot, of, a lot of people feel like, you know, as you say, the constraints that we all have, which is financial or, or obligations to family or friends or, or, or some other bigger purpose, and they feel like, you don't understand my situation because I can't do anything else. This is what I have to do because I don't have a choice. First of all, everybody has a choice. And also, you don't have to throw everything away and start from zero. Take 5% of your time, 10% of your time, whatever it is, and lean into something that gives you joy. And say, how can I incorporate something that really gives me joy into my life as it is without making a drastic shift right away? And in that way of exploring, things open up. Because, give my personal example, when I left Reebok, I didn't know what I was going to do next. And something that I've been doing for years, basically, for free, which is helping and and working with people on humanitarian issues, that opened up into a different career that I had never envisioned. So, when you're pursuing something that gives you passion and joy, other things are going to unfold that's going to give you even more joy. So don't feel like that you have to throw everything up and, okay, I'm going to start again from zero. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying lean into what gives you joy. Um, as I say to executives that I coach, I said, you've climbed the ladder of success. You've gotten to the top of the ladder or at least very high up in the ladder. And you look around, you realize that you have propped your ladder against the wrong wall. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so what do you do then? You know, everybody thinks, that, well, I have to get back down to the ground and start all over again. And I'm already 50 years old or 60 years old, whatever it is. And I can't do that. I said, let's look at it differently. Is there a way for you to build a bridge from the wall you're on to another wall where you want to be at the same level or higher? Or can you redecorate your wall so that becomes or modify it or or do something else to the wall that you're leaning against that will make it more in line with what you believe in and what makes makes you happy. So before you just chuck everything and go off, and I have had people do that, Make sure that you understand what it is that really gives you joy and see what you can do about where you are now. How can you improve that to be in a place which gives that sources you, that instead of drains you, starts sourcing you? Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't do it so much, what else can you do within the context of your life to start expanding you into areas that gives you more joy?
0: Mm, that's, that's lovely. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I, I get it. And I'm absorbing everything you're saying. And, and, but I've always been one of those where it's like, well, This is not right now, so let's move on. (laughs) It's like, you know, like like sweeping, you know, like cleaning house cleaning, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, I love house cleaning. (laughs) Literally, I love it. So so come over, come over uh, anytime. (laughs) I know. It's like my mother always looks at me and goes, What happened to you? That's not me at all. (laughs) You know. Um, But you know, it 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 really is uh I hear it about the simple steps and, Mm -hmm. and, and I understand with so many people, it is difficult to make those simple steps. I mean, I work with people, I work with clients and I do body work and, you know, body work of connecting, you know, body, mind, spirit and, Mm -hmm. and helping to find that balance, which is sometimes very, you know, it's, it's just that little shift that will make the difference or those first shifts, those first steps if If a person is truly stuck, Marilyn, truly, truly stuck, or in your experience uh, speaking to others, um, what what is the one one piece that you would share with them that that might really I don't want to say hit them or kick them that's a little violent, but <laughs> give them that motivation to actually Go, like push for uh-huh. that one minute shift.
1: Well, first of all, if they realize they're stuck, they're not stuck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> because the people who are truly stuck, they don't even know they're stuck. <laughs> That's so true, if, yes. As soon as they realize that there, there is a, a need or urge or interest in shifting, they are ready away from being stuck so first congratulate themselves on being aware enough that they are aware that something is going on that is not fulfilling them so from that place reward themselves for each small little thing they do they say, hmm i really don't like whatever it is that they don't like about their lives why do i feel stuck and then say, so now what would it look like if I wasn't stuck? What would my world look like? So go from that place and envision something that's going to give them more joy than what they're experiencing now. Start from wherever they are. Let's just say it's a job, because a lot of times it's what people feel very frustrated about is their job. Mm-hmm. So they say, okay, what would this job look like if you didn't feel as frustrated? Usually, it's something about not getting meaning f- from the job. So, like, if they're salt, if they're salter for crackers, <laughs> just to <get> me <laughs> all day they were just sprinkling salt on crackers. You know, that could be very boring, mind numbing, all kinds of horrible things. Let's just say I'm just using such a horrible example because I don't think anybody salt crackers anymore. It's some kind of machine that does it. But let's, just say, <laughs> let's just say they do this. I mean, I can't think of something more boring. But if that was that, you, they say now, what would give my my job more meaning? Is maybe if they can envision people eating a cracker that they salted, they would have a much better sensation than a cracker with no salt. Now maybe from there they can find out or or get in connected with people who do eat crackers mm-hmm. <laughs> and. And then get the feeling of reward. So it connects whatever they're doing to the end result. Am I making sense Mm -hmm. there? Absolutely. So, So then they can realize that there is, that they are part of a chain that is bringing meaning. And so if that's the case, maybe there's something in their job that they can get more input to so that they feel like they they are making a difference because ultimately that's really what everybody wants is that they feel like that they didn't live this life in vain. They didn't come here, live so many years and die and nobody ever recognized that they came and gone. Mm -hmm. So in this case, I would say, how would you envision your work being more meaningful? In this case of this cracker salter, (laughs) (laughs) they can say, well, maybe I can find out from the company or from the people or to work with the consumers or uh, volunteer to get on our customer service line or something to see what makes people complain about our crackers and what makes them call and say thank you for our crackers. And then that can improve whether they should put more salt, less salt, you know, salt mm. every other cracker, whatever it is. Um, or make it a whole wheat, whatever it is that they need to do so that they feel more involved, that they're making a difference. So, and maybe from all this, they get recognized by the company as somebody who has more initiative, wisdom, management, planning, strategy, whatever it is, so that they can get a job that has more meaning than just maybe salting crackers. Maybe they become the, the... the uh, customer service uh, liaison or they become a marketing person or they become a salesperson. whatever it is that they choose that brings them more joy. So it's like envisioning first where you are, whatever you're doing and say, how can I make this more meaningful for me? And when it, when it's more meaningful for the person, it usually becomes more meaningful for others too. So it's always a a win-win when we come from that place of saying, this is where I am, this is where I feel stuck. How can I envision a change so that it'll make me happy and then make a difference? Mm -hmm. Lovely.
0: Now, devil's advocate here. (laughs) Now, but that's not... If the individual is saying, but okay, but that okay, that's the small shift in realization and and creating that awareness. Okay, all right, I can that that individual goes, yes, I can do that. But I I truly want to see the world. I truly want to travel, and how I, that that would I have so much passion to that? How would I even achieve that? How would I? Do you do you know do you know what I'm saying? Is like the goals is of uh, that someone has. Here is the structure of life. I mean, we, we definitely have to, mm. uh, we have to work, we have to make that monetary income to be able to either pay for rent and food on the table. That's definite. That's in in our society. <laughs> Here in North America, for sure, um, that is a definite. You You have to bring in the income to be able to survive. Okay. After that... And, okay, well, I can contend with this. I can deal with this. But how do I make it to what that next level of what would truly make me happy? It's like one trip a year. Okay, that's all I'm asking for, one trip a year. How am I going to do that?
1: That comes back to exactly it is. You talk about your priorities, you know, the five aspects of life. And in that, you say, okay, what's my priority? My priority in your... In you, your example, you just gave me is I want to go on one trip a year someplace. So I have to pay rent, I have to eat, all the things that you have. And you just make a budget and say, what is it? What is it that is most important to me? And how do I change some of the other aspects of my life so that I do have the resources to make it happen? I have a friend who is a fanatic um Kiteboarder, kiteboarding kite as you border. know.
0: Oh, that's isn't that that new,
1: correct that new you, sport? <laughs> you are, you have this giant kite and they're hanging onto it and they're standing on a surfboard and they're going, a trillion it, miles an hour.
0: I'm, it's <laughs> amazing. Those kites are amazing.
1: It's <laughs> an expensive hobby. Yes, and it takes time to learn. Now he is a psychiatric nurse in a in a hospital.
0: <laughs> and I'm not thinking this really up. He really needs is to go out there and story. feel
1: free. <laughs> he wants to feel free. <laughs> so he doesn't make that much money because he also has a daughter that needs support and he's a single father. Mm. And so, but he really wants to learn this sport. So he said, okay, I can't, I cannot skimp on rent because I have to not only pay for myself, but also my daughter and I have to you know, drive, I have to have a car, health insurance, all the things you know and we all know. He said, now where can I save so that I can afford to buy these kites and boards and find the time because all this is expensive, both time and, and money-wise, that I don't have that much of because I have to take my daughter to school, I have to work, I have to, you know, all this. So he did the same thing when he said, and this is important to me, So he decided, you know what, let me explore eating a different diet. I need to be healthy, not only for work, but because the sport is very demanding. So he explored a different diet and he became a vegetarian. And he said, you know, I'd rather eat lentils four times a week and and then have the money left over so that I can save for another (laughs) kite. Good for him. <laughs> and he actually is really good now. And, and so it depends. We make choices. And that's why I say the happiness choice. Because we make choices on everything. He knew what he wasn't going to, you know, skimp on. He mm-hmm. needed to have drive to work. He drives an old car. He said, you know, I don't care what the car looks like. It gets me there. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter needs to go to school. I'm going to pay for all the things that go with that. Um, But the one area I can change is what I eat. I'm going to cut out junk food, which is expensive anyway. Oh, yes. You know, chips and all those things are very expensive (laughs) for for how much value you get out of them. Um, Junk food, you know, sodas, all those things, I'm cutting all that out. But I'm going to eat healthily because my health is important to me. That's another choice I'm making. I'm going to keep healthy. So I'm going to create a different diet based on what I know, because, you know, he has a background in health, obviously, being a nurse. I'm going to work out a diet based primarily around a vegetarian diet so that I can be healthy and not spend the huge amounts of money in junk food and in some of the uh, more expensive things like meat Mm -hmm. and and he also chose to cut down on dairy because that's another area that he found that was rather expensive for him too. So now he, he's lost weight. His daughter looks great, you know, as a teenager. (laughs) And he's, he's got enough strength to go uh, kiteboarding. (laughs) And he's kiteboarding and he's a happy guy. And so that's been what, six years now. So it works. It works. So, and so the, recognize what's your top priorities and what, you, what choices you make and then consciously uh, allocate what you have. And the other thing is he needed time. So he wants, didn't want to work more hours to make more money. He wanted to still have the time to do the sport after he saved for it. So it was, it was a budgeting issue, but budgeting in the sense of choices.
0: Ooh, ooh. Wow. I, you know, I believe in that too. I, I, I wholeheartedly, I think from a very young age, I watched how people would say, oh, but we want to travel and we want our house. And and they did. They budgeted everything and ate very simply every night, never went out to eat, very, very simply within the budget. And every, once a year, they were able to travel. And so I saw that from a very young age. So, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. What is your priority that's going to make you happy? Mm-hmm. You know that's fantastic! What a great story! Thank you. Now you have to tell him to watch the show because
1: <laughs> tell him that I yes, he's mentioned in the show. Yes,
0: I mean he is the capper to this whole <laughs> to the whole hour. That's wonderful. So Marilyn, I mean clearly um, at this time you have really shared with us. Uh, uh, the ways that people can create their happiness, and also the awarenesses to bring into their lives, and and um, and as you say, that that first acknowledgement is so powerful. Thank you, thank you for for sharing that with us you know to know that i'm not happy
1: (laughs) that's a big step already and so congratulate yourself instead of speeding yourself up saying Mm -hmm. hey i recognize this what can i do about it now Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's difficult when and then the the fears the fears are Mm -hmm. hard it's like will i begin to lose my community will i begin to lose my friends and you know, uh, my work, you know, it's like uh, the people when you were leaving Reebok, what you had shared uh-huh. with us. Well, how can you give all this up? This is all <laughs> these supportive people. and that, like. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes, because I, I do know some of my clients that have chosen a different path. They have, you know, what saddens them, and clearly, and uh, that has saddened me in my experience too, is is your community does change. Uh-huh. When we shift as individuals, those around us shift.
1: Absolutely. Because we attract, we magnetize in the people that are resonating with our frequency. And so whether we believe in anything else, we are who we are at every moment. Energetically attracts similar to us. So if you choose to be happy, you're going to have more happy people around you.
0: And, and, you know, happiness and I always Mm. say, you know, just that simple smile, Mm -hmm. it's infectious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Even, and this is in my book too, even if you don't feel happy about something, Mm -hmm. even when you just put in a fake smile, your body's chemicals, the hormones in your body start shifting. So if you just smile because you feel like you want to shift your energy, even if you don't feel like smiling begins to shift your inner landscape. Mm. So start by even forcing yourself to smile when you don't feel like it, and then starts <laughs> shifting your energy. It's amazing. It's good statistics and, and research backing this up. And as I mentioned, it, it, this is in my book too.
0: Yes, yes. And, and here we've, uh, we've had uh, individuals that have come and taught laughter yoga Mm-hmm. which basically is just laughing and it feels so awkward to begin with. And the next thing you know, it's <laughs> infectious. And you're like going, this is hilarious. What I'm doing is hilarious right now. <laughs> so you start laughing because you can't believe that you're doing these ha ha ho ho's.
1: It makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, I'm sure you experience this way. Somebody calls you up and before they've said, you know, two or three sentences, you understand who and what they are feeling because <laughs> It goes right through the phone lines. It does. It you does. know if you're smiling, you say they can't see me smile. I'm on the other end of the phone, but they know, and you feel it.
0: Oh yes, oh yes, yes. When I have to call government agencies, I definitely <laughs> the first thing I do is hello. How are you?
1: <laughs> it shifts the energy. Oh, and everything yes. is better. <laughs>
0: Because, you know, honestly, I would rather work with someone who I can raise the energy and have a great conversation with you know
1: absolutely. was your we,
0: day <laughs>
1: We can change the people around us. and yes. I, I've shown this also uh, again in my relationship chapter in the book mm. where where you ha- where they had uh, there was a control study where they had a person go into a group, a plant, if you will. And have a certain attitude. One that was happy person, it changes the whole attitude of the group. Another person who came in skeptical and negative, it changed the whole, They influenced the whole group to either positive, more positive outcome, or more aggressive and negative outcome. Mm. And this has been well documented. Mm. Mm. Oh. So you can change your world. That's true.
0: <laughs> might feel hurdles here and there but you can <laughs> that's right yes. oh my goodness Marilyn we've come to the top of our hour can you share with our audience how they can uh, connect with your books and how they can connect with you
1: www.marilyntam.com so it's m-a-r-i-l-y-n tam dot mcom and to connect with me just Email info at com, On my site, you're going to find connections to how to buy the book, of course. But also you can buy it on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and your local bookstore. It's available. And if you want more f- information, I have a whole page on my website for free gifts that you can just log on to get. And again, it's under MarylandTAM.com and there's a, a tab that says free gifts and there uh, information from the different experts in my books as well as other um, wise people who will share with you um, ways for you to choose to make your life happier. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure working with you today, um, Christina. And to all of you listeners and viewers, may you always be living your happiness choice.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Marilyn. It's tr- truly been an honor and and to have you with us and donating and dedicating your time like you do. And hopefully we will have you back on again soon.
1: <laughs> I look forward <laughs> I mean, to it.
0: You have such wonderful stories and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to your fourth book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're going to get the happiness choice into more corporate world, which is what I feel that is a way for us to shift in a bigger way sooner. And, and I'm finding that a lot of people are bringing it back into the office and sharing. And by the way, yes. in March, uh, 800 CEO Read, which is a corporate book supplier mm. ranked the happiness choice as the third most read book by Companies by corporate. Great. So I was very thrilled. The book came out in February, and in March we had this uh, acknowledgement. So I'm, I'm, I'm praying that April and on forward we have even more people and companies and organizations buy the book and read it because this mm. is the way we're going to choose to make everybody and companies happier and more productive.
0: Mm, mm, fantastic. Well, thank you, thank you. That's. That's very exciting news.
1: <laughs> I feel very grateful for that.
0: Oh yes. That's very exciting. Well, we look forward to, I feel look forward to reading it. <laughs> but I need to read all three of them now. <laughs> no. <laughs> thank you so much, Marilyn.
1: My pleasure.
0: And thank you, of course, to our yoga hub team for making all this possible. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us on this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 1.30 Eastern Time, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anantara. Until next time, namaste.
1: It's not in our hands. What's in our hands is who we are in the moment, which is the day, the present day. And those of us who shape those moments toward deeper truth about what nourishes us have the best chance of living however long we're going to live a much healthier and happier life.